0: Welcome to episode of 105 of Manage the Wild. I'm Nick Madsen. Jack O'Connor, in March of 1960, wrote an article called The Big Horn. Here's a quote from it. The wild ram embodies the mystery and magic of the mountains, the rocky canyons, the snowy peaks, the fragrant alpine meadows, the gray slide rock, the icy dancing rills fed by snowbank and glacier, the sweet, clean air of the high places, and the sense of being alone on top of the world with the eagles, marmots, the wild sheep themselves. Bighorn sheep, the wild sheep, they've always been a iconic, majestic animal to me. You see them standing on the cliff's edge with a glacier in the back, and you just think that it's such an amazing animal. And yet, such an amazing animal has so many issues. It's facing such an uphill battle. And you hope they they win out. But it looks daunting, depending on where you're standing. They started being impacted, or they started um, being affected by Europeans as early as the 1500s. But in the 1800s, their population spread from Mexico all the way up through British Columbia. They went from the Pacific coast all the way east into Texas. And the population back then, there's not very good estimates, but researchers believe that they were somewhere in the hundreds of thousands of animals. And we definitely don't have that today. Some of the things that have affected these animals and brought their numbers to historic lows were unregulated killing. just They had a meat market, kind of like they did for bison. There was a bunch of disease. There was competition with the domestic animals, so cattle, goats, and sheep. Then you have the feral horses. And now they've got exotic animals that are being brought into certain states that are also affecting them. And then human encroachment. We're always moving, always spreading, always building. And so we're cutting up their habitat and fragmenting it even more than it already is. And all of these have brought down the bighorn sheep populations to their low numbers. Now, there's been a huge push for the last 30, 40 years, 50 years even to work with getting state and federal agencies working together to bring their populations back. Now, they've reintroduced them into every western state that they were removed from or extirpated from, but they have not reached the levels that they once were, and they may never. Some of the challenges that they're facing that we've talked about is habitat. and It's a really difficult process. When you're looking at the habitat for the wild sheep, you have to go in and identify the factors that are limiting and threatening their ability to provide for these sheep. So, have we fragmented the landscape? A lot of fragmentation happens because of energy development, mineral, mineral exploration, extraction. Uh, residential and industrial development infrastructure. We're cutting up their places with roads and highways. We're blocking their migration on their seasonal routes. We have recreation that goes on nonstop, whether it's snowmobiles, ATVs, side-by-sides, hiking. We're constantly in their area putting pressure on them. And then we're grazing domestic animals, so you've got your sheep, your cattle constantly being pushed up there. You have uh, an explosion of feral horses in certain areas that are constantly affecting them, and their habitat is degrading. So researchers have come up with plans and ideas on ways to protect, restore, and reclaim some of that that um, habitat degradation that's going on. Some of the plans that they're using is using prescribed fires or even allowing natural fires to continue to burn when they've been started. They're reducing um, livestock and um, sheep grazing in certain areas and altering and the allotments for those uh, or maybe getting rid of those allotments altogether if they find that they're in the core habitat areas. Another way that they're working with the, the habitat is making sure that the water is able to um, still, they're protecting the water sources, I guess. In certain cases, you've got feral horses that are going in and completely wiping out these water sources, whether it's they've stayed there for so long, they don't want to leave the water source, that they just go in and... Degrade it so bad that the water basically quits running. Or they're going in and increasing whether they're putting in uh, guzzlers or different water projects to to help the the habitat in that area. And they're making sure that those native plants are also being taken care of. Once you look at the habitat and you're like, okay, we've identified. Now, how do we fix another area? And that other area we talked about is human encroachment. So when they talk about human encroachment, they're only talking about trying to stop those areas that are being affected. And when they look at the animals that or the sheep that are being affected by human encroachment, they just want them to stay out of areas that are what they consider core habitat. How can we do reduce roads or reduce uh, energy development or for housing in these core habitat areas, lambing areas, seasonal ranges? Have we put up high-fenced areas uh, that blocks their corridors from their migration from seasonal ranges? And that is just a challenge because now you've got to work with all these government agencies and different groups as well as energy and municipal and zoning and agricultural and you start to come up with a plan but there's just so many people involved so many things involved that it makes it challenging and this is where the lawsuits and the hurt feelings and the upset people come into play is because now you're telling people that they can't graze their sheep there that they've been grazing there since the 1850s, 1860s, and you're changing allotments and no longer allowing them. So now you're attacking their livelihood, which that isn't fun for anybody to go through that either. But then if you don't do that, then uh, you could be putting this population at greater risk. Another way that these animals are being affected is, again, through competition, whether it's grazing from cattle, sheep, goats, and horses and donkeys to cattle, uh, competition with people for the use of the land, whether it's building. There's just constant competition going in. Cattle uh, cattle grazing as well as sheep grazing, goats and horses has been affecting these animals since the 1500s, and it really took hold in the 1800s when you started to see a lot of that western expansion. And it just really hurt the population with the amount of disease. And that's probably the primary factor that I would say that you're seeing the decline in the populations today. I think we have a pretty good understanding of how much grazing should be going on. Uh, We're still working with agencies to develop ways to keep development out of those core areas. But I think the one thing that you can't write into law is that disease... Doesn't affect these animals because the disease just doesn't care and doesn't listen. So, disease is the primary factor in the decline and loss of the bighorn sheep across much of their historic range through the mid, uh, early to mid 1900s. And it's still continuing to affect animals today. It was reported in the winter of 2009 to 2010 alone nine separate bighorn sheep pneumonia related die offs totaling 1,700 animals, occurred across five Western states. Those losses represent greater than 1% of the total number of bighorn sheep in the Western U.S. and Canada. Some of those herds in 2009 and 10 lost anywhere from 5% to 95% of their population. That's crazy i was i uh, got to i got to be involved in a study a few years ago um it was uh at hardware ranch we had some animals that were brought in from another state that were asymptomatic for what they call mycoplasma ova pneumonia and it's basically pneumonia it's a respiratory infection that comes in and infects their lungs. These animals were asymptomatic when they were brought into the state and once they got them here they realized that they tested positive for it, they put them in a quarantine facility, and working with researchers, the entire population that was brought in died from the respiratory infection. And they caused the ewes to abort lambs, and there was just a whole lot of problems that were going on. So this is the one challenge that we've talked about before, is the disease, is there's not a whole lot you can do about it. One of the ways that they can work with these populations though to reduce the amount of risk is they've got to look at the past and present herd performance. How is that group doing? They've got to look at their demographics within that population. They've got to look at their recruitment and survival. Not just the lamb survival, but you've got to do your adult, subadult, and lamb. You've got to do your density and estimates. You've got to make sure your age structure is good. Do you have an old population? A, a dispersed popular or a good population where you've got a bunch of different age classes or do you have a very young population that's all going to affect how your population's going to do the young really young population's going to have a hard time the really old population's going to have a hard time so you're going to have to have a good mix and then your sex ratio are you having a bunch of males leave this could indicate that there's some other things going on and you're going to have to work with all these grazers, with all these land managers, with all these different agencies and try and create a barrier between the big corn sheep, the wild sheep, as well as those domestic and come up with different ways to do it. And this is just a challenging uphill battle. I got to sit in a meeting where they were talking about changing the allotments from uh, or just getting rid of the grazing allotment completely for the sheep in an area that they were closely affecting bighorn sheep. And it was a very high tension meeting. There was a lot of people very upset because they felt that their livelihood was being attacked. There's no good situation here. You've had sheep grazing and cattle grazing going on in this area since the 1800s. And now they're being told that they've got to do away with an allotment. But if you don't do away with that allotment, Bighorn sheep are more likely to be infected by domestic and so you're putting that population at risk and so now you have to decide what are the risks, what outweighs, who has priority, what takes priority and that's the challenge and these meetings are interesting to sit in because they're so passionate on both sides. Alright, that's all I got for today. You guys uh, think about bighorn sheep, think about the impacts that your activities and all the different things that go into managing these animals. This is why I think you need wildlife management for a case like this to bring all the players together to come up with a good solution. Stay wild. Have a great day.